This episode is brought to you by Catan. This summer looks a bit different than most summers. We're staying at home for the most part, and we're finding ourselves looking for new activities to enjoy at home. Catan is a board game for three to four players, ages 10 and up, although younger kids can play with adult guidance. It is a great way to keep families engaged in off screens, even if it's just for a little while. And those opportunities are hard to come by. And it's really easy to pick up. Get Catan at CatanShop.com slash mom. Listeners of our podcast get 10% off the original base game Catan by using the promo code mom at checkout. Offer not good on other Catan titles or merchandise. Xfinity XFi is more than just fast. It's internet that gives you peace of mind security. Because if it's connected, it's protected. Yeah, even your robot vacuum. Can your internet do that? Learn more at Xfinity.com slash XFi. Emily and this is Bridget and you're listening to stuff mom never told you today we're going to break down a made for social media trend that has been popping up in my newsfeed more and more these days and I'm curious Bridget if it's something you're seeing a lot of too and It's one of those things that seems very innocuous until you take a closer look. And that's why today we're breaking down and unpacking, you might even say, what gender reveal parties reveal about us as a society and our relationship with gender and sex. So you've seen these, right, Bridget? Oh, being raised in the South, I have seen my fair share of them. Uh, People in the South love this kind of thing. Really? Uh, Yes. People in the South love the performative aspects of weddings and childbearing. <laughs> they love it. I don't yeah. know what it is. I feel like I feel like the way that social media algorithms are almost designed, it, it magnifies the impact of those big life moments like having a child. And so, you know, the most liked image you'll ever have for a lot of folks is your baby or your pregnancy sh- announcement or whatever it might be. And now for for parents who are demarcating those pivot points in your life, getting pregnant, you know, announcing that pregnancy or getting married or making that transition in your life when it comes to your identity, there is a performative aspect to it because of how social media makes our lives different nowadays. Don't you think? Like, I, I Social like media it, makes our lives a performance in a lot exactly. of ways. Everything it, about our lives can be a performance on social media. Right. So it seems natural and understandable that there would be new trends coming up in our lives that are made for social media. But this one, to me, is very troubling because it's not just about, oh, you found out the gender of the baby and the very well-intentioned desire to share that news with the world and share it with your family and share it with your loved ones. But it actually says to me that we as a society define human beings by our gender even before we're born in in a way that can be really in my opinion, problematic and, and troubling. I think problematic and troubling, but also kind of tacky sometimes. <laughs> yeah, so let's break down what, you're right, let's like let's define what these gender reveal parties are for anyone who, I don't know, is too cool for Facebook and doesn't have a Facebook account, maybe, or has been living under a rock for the last 10 years or so. 
A gender reveal party is when a couple finds out the gender of the baby, but they keep it under lock and key. So they keep it a secret, even from themselves. Sometimes the doctors ask to write it and put it in an envelope. Then they hand it to a third party who arranges something crafty. You might even say kitschy. <laughs> then at some public party with all their friends and family and maybe live streaming it on the internet, they reveal whatever it is, whatever crafty thing that is going to be dyed pink or blue to tell what the gender of the baby is. So some of these things, do you want to... Some of them are really inventive. You might make a cake where when the person cuts into the cake, the inside of the cake is blue for a boy, pink for a girl. Maybe you will put some balloons in a box, and then when the parents open the box, either pink or blue balloons emerge. Um, some of them are even more inventive. Some, I mean, honestly, some of the gender reveal cakes, if y'all Google this or find them on Pinterest, are weirdly related to the sex organs of your unborn child, which find, I find super creepy. But there are cakes that are decorated to say stick or no stick. Is that like over the baby's diaper? Over the penis. Yeah. Got it. I said, like, wait, stick or no stick? Or there's like cakes that say, we're here for the sex. Like, wink, wink, like we're at a party. Oh, to so find out what the sex is. I don't love but that. But like, I'm here for the sex. Like, it's a much more exciting party than it actually is. <laughs> I know. Can you imagine thinking that you're showing up for an orgy and it's actually a baby reveal? You're like, oh, you're like, oh I wrong thought- party. <laughs> Um, the only, uh, looking at some of the gender reveals, the only one that I actually was like sort of on board with was the car burnout where someone does like donuts in a parking lot and whether somehow they get like blue or pink exhaust to come out of the, the... I think it's like dust on the ground or something. No, I was kind of, I was like, oh, that actually is kind of cool. That was impressive (laughs) from a logistics standpoint. Then there was the mom who dyed her hair, but she didn't know if it was dyed pink or blue until the towel came off. Which I thought was creative, I guess. Inventive, for Inventive. sure. We would be remiss to not mention the couple who were gun enthusiasts who uh, pointed a rifle at a target full of different colored chalk. So when they shot the target, you would either have red smoke or blue smoke. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So if you want your, you know, to mark the beginning of your beautiful journey of bringing a life into this world with a firearm, That's I think. That's uh, it. Yeah, I think that is. They nailed that, if that was their intention. <laughs> they killed it? Yeah, they killed it. <laughs> Speaking of inventive uh, gender reveals, there was one that I was just reading about online. They write, At my gender reveal party, I had all my guests join me at a round table where we gazed into a large crystal ball. After chanting XX and YX for half an hour, the smoke bomb I carefully prepared went off, and then Whoopi Goldberg rose from a trap door I very handily had my husband install in our living room. Whoopi rose up and said, Molly, you're having a girl, girl. Everyone cried, and we gave Whoopi her check, and she left. Actually, that's not a real gender reveal. It's from a really funny Jezebel essay full of hilarious fake gender reveal stories that I... <laughs> really implore you to read because it's hilarious. Right. So it's, I mean, I think it is easy to poke fun at it. It is easy to think about how outrageous a gender reveal party you can have because it does feel like every other day on Reddit or some Facebook group somewhere, there's like a couple that goes viral for whatever insane way they've decided to reveal their gender. But, you know, as yuppie, heathen, single women without children, I think it's important for us to also acknowledge that while we might sort of poke fun at this kitschy new trend, it really does belie 
something very meaningful and very understandable. It comes from a really good place for new parents who simply want to celebrate this milestone in their lives. Yeah, I think that it's really a throwback to the ceremonial aspects of bringing a life into this world and making it be this communal, democratized thing where we all find out, like the community of people who love this child are all finding out the gender together. If you take away the sort of creepy gendered aspects of it, that's kind of a beautiful thing that I can understand. Right. And in fact, a scholar who is writing for Smithsonian, Laura Tropp, totally agrees with you and thinks it has something to do really directly with the medicalization of pregnancy and the totally natural instinct for in our highly medicalized world to take back some of the mysticism and ritual that used to be a bigger part of pregnancy. She writes, the party is suspenseful because it reveals a secret, egalitarian because everyone finds out at once, and delicious cake, the perfect afternoon. Unheard of a decade or two ago, gender reveal parties are the latest manifestation of the conflict between modern technological pregnancy and its ancient legacy of mystery. That this all plays out through pink and blue cake speaks to the peculiar anxieties and ironies of our time. I think she's spot on. And I think you even see that in some of the other rituals that have now risen in the age of you know childbearing and social media. Think about elaborate photo shoots when you have a baby. Um, think about those uh, monthly pictures that you do where you're demonstrating your child's growth and talking about like, oh, baby whoever at age two loves this and loves that. Um, I think that you do see people returning to this highly ritualistic way of marking bringing a child into the world. Yeah, I totally agree. And I think we would be remiss to not acknowledge that there's a financial incentive in the marketplace for these rituals to become capitalistic endeavors, right? Like, we know that the wedding industrial complex is real in this country. So if they can charge four times the amount for a wedding photographer that they would for any other photographer, I'm sure that there is a reason behind the growth and ritualization of childbearing and pregnancy, because there's also a market for that. Mm -hmm. And so she goes on to write that the gender reveal party has become just yet another ritual. And for parents, it's a way to retrieve the mysteries of pregnancy. In the past, the pregnant woman had little power over her life, but a lot of knowledge about her body at the time, knowledge that other people depended on them to reveal. Gender reveal parties reclaim the privilege of revelation along with some control. Parents can orchestrate these parties, choose their rituals, and plan for their future with the knowledge that they are likely to survive childbirth, unlike ancient times. Even though we do know that our mortality rate, infant mortality rate, and maternal mortality rate in this country is less than ideal. But basically, it's a reclaiming of the knowledge that used to be very intimately held by the mother alone or by the act of birth alone that now doctors have. Doctors have that power and knowledge. Doctors and science have yielded all of those outcomes. But by retaining the control over how to orchestrate your own gender reveal party, it kind of feels like the parents are reclaiming that power. That's so interesting. And I, I can't help but think of some of the older women in my family who are totally ritualistic when it comes to the gender of babies who are still in utero, where they'll be like, oh, I, when I put my hand on your belly, it sits high. That means it's going to be a boy. Or you, if you are really gassy, it's going to be a girl. Right, like right. My, a lot of the women in my family, 
they have these ideas about how you can glean things about the future gender of your baby in these ways that are not, frankly, very scientific, but sort of wedded to this idea of, you know, spirituality and old wives' tales and, oh, well, you know, when my sister was pregnant, she only wanted to eat beets, and so... No, I totally know what you mean because it feels like this familial, mythical conversation that's now playing out on social media. Exactly. And it's performative. It's still grounded in science, right? Because the doctor gave you that decision or gave you that conclusion. And here's the thing, right? For our listeners who've had these parties, we're not trying to come down on you at all because these parties seem perfectly innocuous. They seem benign, even if we are annoyed at them or even if you're like, oh, great, another blue cupcake. This is cute. I can't wait to like your image on social media. Even if you do roll your eyes at them, it's not just that they're all over Pinterest. It's not just that there's another expectation for parents to get this Pinteresty perfect life on on social media. There's something more troubling to this, and that is all of the highly stereotyped gendered expectations that this weirdly sets your entire family up to be promoting. And we're going to uncover some of the troubling repercussions that can come from gender reveal parties being mainstream after a quick word from our sponsors. This episode is brought to you by BetterHelp. So we know, listeners, it's been rough for a lot of people out there, and we've been very open about our experiences with therapy and how it's been so helpful for us in the past and in the present. And because of that, we wanted to highlight a service that we think might be of help to you all, BetterHelp, which offers licensed online counselors who are trained to listen and to help. You can talk with your counselors in a private online environment at your own convenience from wherever you're comfortable. And BetterHelp counselors have expertise in a broad range of areas. They can give you access to help that might not be available in your area. And you just have to fill out a questionnaire to help assess your specific needs and then get matched with a counselor in under 48 hours. BetterHelp is an affordable option and our listeners get 10% off your first month with a discount code MOMSTUFF. Get started today at BetterHelp.com slash MomStuff. That's BetterHelp.com slash MomStuff. Talk to a therapist online and get help. This episode is brought to you by China. The China brand provides premium disposable tableware to celebrate moments of togetherness. Yes, and right now that is more important than ever especially when we're all apart. So recently I had a group and we had a a socially distanced barbecue where the host drew out circles and chalk that were six feet apart and everyone showed up with their own chairs and beverages. And it was really convenient to have disposable products. And we we just had a a lovely conversation. Um, It was really fun. Yeah, and I'm with the disposable products. I know that the China brand provides durable and trusted products, which I have used before, that let you enjoy every moment of the get-togethers in traditional or now not. And there are classic white products that can work for any gathering or cut crystal plates and cups when you want to make something a little extra special. Disposable tableware keeps things simple and cleanup easy. Shinet products are available wherever you buy groceries, including delivery or pickup. All right, we're back and we are diving into why gender reveal parties make us a little uncomfortable and why we should all think a little bit 
more about them before we just blindly follow this sort of made-for-social-media trend amongst parents-to-be. So what's wrong with gender reveal parties? Well, first of all, they should really be called sex reveal parties, if anything, because they tend to conflate gender and sex. So gender and sex are different things. A doctor doesn't actually know your gender. If anything, a doctor is looking at an image of your genitalia and saying, this is your sex. But the two things are different, and we shouldn't be conflating them. Right. So we know that people who happen to be born, the vast majority of us who happen to be born with a gender identity, let's say in my case, I identify as as a woman, as female, that aligns with your sex organs. Not everybody's born that way, right? That's what cis identity is, right? That's what we talk about when we say cis, is that alignment between your sex organs or what a doctor tells you you are in terms of male or female, and your identity, your sense of your own gender that you have as an identity. Now, trans folks and intersex folks whose sex organs aren't immediately identified as definitely in one category or the other, you know, there's a whole spectrum, not only to your sex organs, but obviously to gender in a, in a highly sort of gender-fluid environment that we're now coming to embody and embrace as a society. And I think anything that pushes back on this notion that a doctor looking in between an infant's legs, seeing genitals and saying, it's a girl or it's a boy... Anything that pushes back on that idea, I think, is good. And I gender reveal parties do not. Right. They make it very clear that what you are is what's in between your legs, and that's all there is to it. And we know that's not true. Exactly. So imagine you're born with what a doctor deems to be male sex organs, and you identify as female. And you spend your entire life trying to figure that out and trying to get the rest of your loved ones to figure it out with you. But mom and dad already had the gender reveal party, and it's a boy. And on that cake, there was a football and or whatever. You know what I mean? Like on the that party, we sort of dreamt about all the things that you were going to do with your son as he grew up and coming to grips with that dissonance between expectation and reality yeah. is hard enough as it is. Like parents of trans kids know this better than anyone. But a gender reveal party misrepresents or mistakes, rather, sex organs deemed by a doctor in utero for gender identity. And that's a problem. That's a problem for all of us who are just trying to be accepted for who we are. And I think even beyond that, I think that for kids and for parents, it really illustrates to this kid that your gender matters to your parents. And I don't think that we should be enforcing that idea in kids. It it matters to everybody. Like yeah. Everyone who shows up to that your party. Entire com- your, yeah. your entire community is very invested in ha- like your gender identity. I think that is setting a kid up for a lot even before this kid is born. And it makes you wonder, like, why are these parties important to us? Why do these parties exist? We are so fixated on gender as a way to understand a person that we're already gendering people before they're born. Smithsonian's Laura Tropp, uh, again, writes, As the French philosopher Simone de Beauvoir said, one is not born, but rather becomes a woman. A person's gender identity may not match the sex they were assigned at birth, and gender roles are culturally constructed notions. And this idea that you can predict an unborn child's gender 
is really not possible based on an in utero snapshot of their reproductive organs alone. I think that's so spot on. And as Marty Saroy writes over at HuffPo, uh, Saroy is a mom of three kids and she also is a therapist who works with the parents of trans children. She really makes it clear that we should be letting children have more autonomy over how they decide their own gender expressions. She writes, children will reveal their own gender identity and or expression at some point along the way, whether that is cisgender, gender nonconforming, gender creative, agender, gender fluid, or gender queer. And gender is also totally separate from romantic or sexual attraction. Those are just three of many varying factors that make up a human being, none of which are strictly binary, as much as we may have been brought up to believe. So really, it's about pushing back on this notion that it's one or the other, and that when your doctor tells you it's a girl or it's a boy, that that means something right that you should be celebrating and investing in right away because it doesn't allow for your kid to later have real control over how they express their gender. It's just a weird emphasis. That's what it is to me. It's not that it's totally unimportant because I get it. If you're a parent, you want to know who is coming along to join your family and what can you know? You can know very few things. But it's salience is what I find troubling when we celebrate that. When we make it into such a production, we give people permission to project all of these expectations on your unborn child based on gender, not even gender, based on sex alone. And so when you're unpacking this quote from Marty, she's talking about gender identity, gender expression, and sexual attraction as being three really kind of important things that your kid's going to figure out and express to you on their own. And maybe that expression could go on to be hampered if your kid grows up in a house where a gender reveal party picture is framed on the mantle from the day they're born. Yeah. That would be really tough. That would be tough. It would make it tougher, I would say, to like have a trans kid who feels like it's okay to not have the gender identity that matches your sexual organs. You know what I mean? It gives them permission to define themselves. Yeah. And not to mention the children who are born with intersex traits. According to the United Nations, 1.7% of children born are born with intersex traits, meaning that their genitalia doesn't fit neatly into a male or female binary. For example, Han Gabby Odely, the Belgian supermodel, recently revealed she has XY chromosomes, more typically found in men, and had internal undescended testes at birth that makes her part of the population who is born with intersex traits. And that's all biology, right? We're talking about biology. We're talking about chromosomes. So how does a gender reveal party account for that? It doesn't. It doesn't. It doesn't allow for anything other than one or the other. And so that's the number one most problematic component about gender reveal parties. If you're going to have one, at least call it a sex reveal party so we're not conflating gender and sex. But beyond that, there's another really concerning trend that is not true at every gender reveal party, but is very much commonplace if you look at Pinterest boards about gender reveal parties. And that is that these parties tend to encourage a weirdly intense amount of gender stereotyping. We're talking things like pistols or pearls, toys or tiaras, guns or glitter, wheels or heels. Things that make it clear that oh, if I have a boy, it's going to like XYZ, and if I have a girl, she's going to like XYZ. Yeah, only guns or glitter. You can't like both. What if you like both toys and tiaras? There are a weird array of themes like this online when you Google 
you know, themes for your gender reveal party, which basically allude to this concept that you can predict the preferences, the tastes of your unborn child based on their sex organs alone. So basically, God forbid you should have a girl who likes baseball or throwing a football around or a little boy who likes dressing up in heels. Yeah, this feels so relevant for me. I was definitely a little girl who didn't necessarily like a lot of girly things, but I grew up in a traditional household where girls liked this and boys liked that. And I always just felt very confused by the things I was supposed to like but had no interest in. Did you post an Instagram photo recently of little Bridget Todd, the tiny sad dancer. I was a tiny (laughs) sad dancer. I did ballet. I just saw that. I had like ballet in my room even before I could identify it as ballet. Like I was like born into a very specific gender mold that was always confusing. It's confusing now. And it's in that picture. I was like, I, you were I looked sad. confused in that yeah. picture. I'm like, what am I doing it here? It was just like when I was given a, um, I grew up just outside of Yukon, so go Huskies. But I was given a Yukon Huskies cheerleader uniform by my dad, who was very proud of this purchase for Halloween one year. And I was, I, there's a photo of me like this with my hands up holding pom poms, like really? This is what I have to be for Halloween this year. This is so lame. And it, you had a similar look on that adorable Instagram of, yeah. of Bridget the Sad Tiny Dancer. I was a sad, serious, solemn, tiny dancer, dressed like a princess. It wasn't my vibe. Right. And so there's this great article from USA Today that really points to some research out of the University of California, Santa Cruz, that activities that formally mark gender, like gender reveal parties, increase the likelihood of gender stereotyping. There was research done by Rebecca Bigler, a psychologist at the University of Texas. She had school children wear red and blue t-shirts and had teachers reference the colors as they might gender. So good morning, reds and blues, and really identify the children based on the color t-shirt that they wore. Over time, the study found that kids developed biases, preferring their own colors just as they did with gender. Quote, when you put things in a category, we naturally want to make meaning of that category, said Leeper. Girl and boy, if those categories exist, there must be reasons for that. And we start to think about them differently. Well, this reminds me so much of my experience when I was teaching in the classroom setting. They actually trained us to use terms when addressing the class that were not gendered. And so if I'm ever, even now, I haven't taught in years, but even now when I'm referencing a large group of people who are mixed gender, I'll say things like, good morning, friends, or hello, comrades, things like that, that because it it does, if you say girls and boys or ladies and gentlemen, and you're you're in the classroom, it changes the dynamic of a classroom. And I've seen it. Totally. Absolutely true. And it also makes me think, you know, all those gender reveal... I don't know if they're parties or celebrations or online videos or whatever that have another child present. So let's say mom and dad are revealing the gender of your unborn brother or sister. The little girls are always wanting a girl and the little boys are always wanting a boy. And they, I've seen videos where like the little girl weeps and cries and goes into hysterics when she finds out it's going to be a boy and vice versa. And so this is like this weird, Uh, It's like before the child is even born, you're drawing a line between their brother and them or their sister and them. And you know what? That just seems like not exactly a bridge to a a relationship. And to me, I just it it just feels unnecessary. I think there are ways of celebrating the bringing of a new child into a family 
that mark information that you find out about it, about this kid, that don't kind of stoke these weird gender yeah. divisions before these kids have even met. It's weird. It's just a weird emphasis. Like I said, it's not that you're having a party about your unborn kid. That's fine. Baby showers, fine. Whatever. But it, this emphasis on gender does nothing more than give everybody a permission slip to stereotype. Yeah. And not to mention, the USA Today article goes on to say, quote, you know what toys to buy, how to decorate the room, what clothes you get, as opposed to buying different things and seeing what the child likes. A girl gets a doll, a boy gets a baseball. That takes the guessing out of it. So basically, even having expectations as a parent can set you up to have ballerina slippers in your little girl's room before she even knows what they are. Right. And not that that's necessarily a bad thing, but it is a limiting factor. If you're already making assumptions for your unborn child as to what toys they're going to like, as to what interests they're going to have, and those gender norms can have lifelong ramifications. Those stereotypes can get instituted from day one, no earlier, from like in utero before the child's even born. And I think it doesn't leave room for kids to figure this stuff out for themselves. And if you grow up thinking that my mom wants me to be a ballerina and you don't really have an interest in being a ballerina princess, you you're, you might feel some pressure to do something that you don't really want to do because you feel like you have to. And exactly. I think that we should be giving kids the space to figure out who they are. And we have so much time for society to put crap on them. Yeah, It seems like a lot to just start them out handing them more gender expectations. Yes. Laura Tropp ends her Smithsonian piece perfectly by saying, a ritual that sexes and genders a person before they are born places limits rather than offers possibilities on who they may become. And I think you're totally right. The final big issue that I have with gender reveal parties is actually directly related to one of its purported benefits. So one of the supposed benefits of this ritual that we've developed in the age of social media is that it's egalitarian, right? It's democratic. Everybody gets to find out at the same time. But with everybody finding out at the same time comes this new form of observation, which is what is the reaction of mom and dad? Is dad disappointed that he's having a girl? What does that mean? You know, is the toddler sibling crying hysterically because it's a boy? What does that mean? And honestly, why would you do that to yourself or your family? Because now it becomes a meta performance. It's not just the performance of finding out. It's the performance of finding out and looking right with your reaction. Ugh, I can't even imagine the pressure. But I had never heard of people having a disappointed reaction about having a girl or a boy, but it makes perfect sense. I can imagine setting up one of these parties not realizing how invested you maybe are in having a girl or a boy, thinking it's going to be this cute thing, cutting the cake and seeing blue when you wanted pink or pink when you wanted blue, and being blindsided by disappointment and thinking, I have to pretend to be, I have to fake it, I have to pretend to be happy, otherwise I'm going to look like a bad mom before my kid's even born. I could see, I'm the kind of person who I could see myself doing all these things and thinking it will be fine, and then in the moment being like, oh, wait, actually, I have feelings, but everyone's looking at me, so I'm just going to smile, but really, I feel weird. Yeah. It's like you you might be surprised by your reaction, and 
You really never know how you're going to react to such big news. What if you're disappointed or nervous or if it hits you in a way that you didn't expect? That's that's the fear of like having those feels and those feels not being socially acceptable and peaches and cream and perfectly happy all the time. And beyond that, some of the adults who come to gender reveal parties are kind of encouraged to cheer on Team Blue or Team Pink. Now, this, again, is not at every party, and we... I mean, we haven't been to that many of them ourselves, but oftentimes guests are asked to come wearing their guess. But their guess of what the baby is, Team Blue or Team Pink, can quickly turn into their vote or their cheer, you know, their hope. As this article in the Huffington Post goes on to say, ultimately, Team Pink and Team Blue are pitted against one another, sometimes for prizes once the big gender reveal happens. Beyond that, these announcements, like the it's a girl announcement, can sometimes be met with these stupid, annoying, sexist reactions from your party guests, like, Bridget, you're having a girl, that's payback for how terrible a teenager you were. Or, you know, get out the shotgun, dad, because you're having a girl, you have to protect your unborn daughter's body because that's your job even before she's born. Basically, these weird reactions that either you have or your party guests have are just another wrinkle to the gender stereotyping and the downside, quite frankly, to having a gender reveal party. Yeah, I mean, first of all, the shotgun thing is its own gross thing that I wish would go away in our culture for good. But also, I mean, I want to push back on that slightly in that I have a friend who has nothing but sons and has wanted a daughter. And when he found out he was having a daughter, it was clearly like a big thing for him. But my thing is, like, it doesn't have to turn into this gross tribal thing with teams trying to show, like, oh, I hope it's a boy, I hope it's a boy, I hope it's a girl, I hope it's a girl. It's okay to want a, you know, a daughter if that's what you want, or a son if that's what you want. Like, that's fine. But it doesn't have to turn into this gross, weird thing with people competing for, quote-unquote, what they want. Yeah. And attaching it to all these gross gender tropes. Yeah, it always makes you feel like, whose right is it to want a baby boy or a baby girl? You know what I mean? Like, don't we want a healthy baby above all else when it comes to everything? And that's what I remember, it just came back to me just this moment, but when I was 10 and 11, my mom had two more kids, my baby brother and sister, and she used to get that question all the time, is it a boy or a girl? And she said, you know, I just hope it's a healthy baby. That's all I hope for. And she ended up with a weirdly symmetrical pairing of two boys and two girls, one year apart each and a decade in between the two pairs, which is weird in its own right. But this idea that it's okay for everyone to ask and or project their desires onto your unborn child is perpetuated and or maybe encouraged a little bit when we have parties that center on the gender of your unborn child. I also just feel like I want to speak for the pregnant people out there. I think that people should just back off a little bit, right? Like, I think that, like, (laughs) pregnant people, people who are pregnant, people touch your stomach without asking. Strangers ask questions they would never, you would never ask. I almost wonder if these parties help create a climate where it's everybody's business what's going on inside a pregnant person's womb. Yes. I think that's a really great point. Hashtag back off. I'm cooking a baby. (laughs) Yeah, and it's none of your business. Yeah, like, I'm busy here. I'm busy here. I'm making a human. Unless you're getting up out of the seat on the metro or the subway to let me sit down. (laughs) Don't talk to me. Exactly, exactly. Somebody needs to put that on a t-shirt for pregnant people out there. (laughs) I know. We will be the first to buy them for all our pregnant friends. Yeah, not to mention if you're the parent 
themselves who has a negative reaction at your own gender reveal party, the the judgment that can come from that is just unbelievable. Kind of like all the judgment that pregnant women get probably every day. And we're going to talk about what that feels like, what that phenomenon is. It's known as gender disappointment in just a quick moment after this word from our sponsors. Got to tell you about Best Fiends. It's the game pretty much everybody's talking about. Morgan number two plays this sometimes before we start the show. You know, it really challenges your brain with the fun puzzles, but it's also a very casual game, so it won't stress you out, which is perfect these days, right? What's great is you can use the game as a way to connect with your friends and your family, all while social distancing. The game is so much more than your average mobile puzzle game. It's five-star rated with over 100 million downloads, thousands of fun levels, and tons of characters to collect. You know, there are new in-game challenges and events every month, so the game's always fresh. You'll never be bored with it. You can even play the game without using Wi-Fi. So, here we go. You don't want to miss out on the game. Join millions of Americans and a lot of us here on the show who are already playing this fun puzzle game. Download Best Fiends for free on the Apple App Store or Google Play today. Just go over there, hit download Best Fiends for free, Apple App Store or Google Play. That's friends without the R, Best Fiends. Check it out. I do think you'll like it. Friends without the R, Best Fiends. This episode is brought to you by Arches and Halo. Between being on video calls all day, having to wear masks everywhere, and now using our eyes and only our eyes to smile at people, it feels like the main thing people notice now are our eyes. Arches and Halos is our favorite brow products that is so easy to find, pick up, and with a few quick steps, have the most amazing brows ever. They have professional quality products at the perfect price point. Celebrity makeup artists use arches and halos because of how well done the formulas are, and they are half the price of department store brands. They have eight color shades to choose from, everything from sunny blonde to auburn to charcoal. Everyone is represented. They cater to women and men of all brow shapes and sizes. Embrace your natural brow. And they're all about individuality. Brow tools for all looks and style needs. You can use for dramatic or natural look. They have an amazing range of products, too, from tweezers, razors, pencils, pomade, mousses, gels, all kinds of things. Find Arches and Halos on your next trip to Target and Walgreens. Arches and Halos Professional Brow Grooming. Be bold, be you. And we're back. And Bridget, just like you, before doing research for this episode, I had never heard the term gender disappointment. But just like postpartum depression, which so many women suffer through in silence and in isolation after giving birth, gender disappointment is one of those unspoken phenomenons that many women who are pregnant can experience that instantly makes them feel like a bad mom. So I have to read these couple of paragraphs from this great piece by Saliti Wynn on romper.com. Here's how she opens her story. She says, It's a girl, the sonographer said. I can still remember the excitement I felt as I lay on the bed with goo all over my just-about-to-pop pregnant belly at my 20-week ultrasound. My partner and I held hands, and I stared up expectantly at the screen, waiting to hear what our baby was going to be. But when the sonographer said those three words, my brain glitched. Really? I asked, my voice too high, too loud, injected with false enthusiasm. I looked to my partner to see what he thought. Like always, I couldn't quite read his reaction. I had been positive, 100% sure there had been no doubt in my mind that I was having a baby boy. But there in black and white was the proof that I was not. I had gender disappointment. And as the feeling settled over me, 
it left me feeling so many emotions, ashamed and confused, but mostly terrified. As we drove home from our ultrasound, I continued to put up a happy front. We called my parents from the car and told them the exciting news, and I wondered aloud to my partner at all the things I could do with our daughter. But in my head and in my heart, all I could feel was a horrible shame. Shame that I was disappointed with my child for something she had no control over. I wondered what kind of mother could be disappointed in their child's gender, and the only answer I could come up with was a bad one. That is heartbreaking. And even though I had never heard of gender disappointment before, it does make sense when you get very invested in the idea of having, you know, a boy or girl or whatever. It it does make sense. And having a kid, I imagine, is very emotional. You're going to have intense feelings, feelings that maybe you don't expect to have. Exactly. And you're making expectations about the life of your child, right? It makes sense in our world today and maybe forever to feel a sense of fear over your child and especially over bringing a little girl into this world, right? This is not an easy place. This is not a fair, just world where girls are treated the same as boys, where women are treated the same as men. And to feel fear for that or disappointment in that makes some logical sense, right? Your emotional response is not 100% in your control. And so I think it's important that it be okay for us to have these conversations and for you to have that moment as a parent to reconcile your expectations with your actual emotional response. And I don't want to have that moment with all of my friends and families present cheering on team pink versus team blue. I'm having like a professional photographer there to capture your fake smile if in fact this moment does turn out to be a heavier one than you were maybe expecting. Yeah. And I feel like it's natural for us to have this investment in this idea of our future child's life. You know, I really want a kid who's going to be a rock star athlete or I really want a kid who's going to... I can take to dance lessons. You know what I mean? To live through and relive some of your own childhood makes sense. But then when we conflate gender with those hobbies, it becomes a weird sense of disappointment before the kid even has a chance to disappoint you. Totally. Thinking about my own mom, my mom was very poor when she got married, so she never got a chance to have, you know, a real dream wedding. She just didn't have a wedding. And she was like, oh, I wanted to have a, I was so excited to have a girl so that I could plan the wedding I never had. And I get that. I think that's how you're doing living up to her expectation. Uh, on that Not great. <laughs> she's, uh, she's still planning that wedding. She does send me some bridal magazines from time Aww. to time. She's my mom. It's she's the sweetest, but like she badly wants all of her children to be like married mm-hmm. and happy mm-hmm. and with kids whose weddings that she will also be planning, I bet, <laughs> somehow. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I, I get it. I get, you know, I, I, for a while, was very invested in the idea of having a boy and raising him to be this kick-ass ally and feminist who yeah. respects women and is surrounded by strong, assertive women who goes on to be the kind of guys that you hope all guys will yeah. be, right? I wanted to raise that guy to be the guy who, like, gives his buddies crap when they say sexist things. And I wanted to, I was really, really invested in that idea. Part of me is like, oh, that's natural. It's natural to think about what your kid's life is going to look like. But you sort of don't realize how that can saddle a kid with expectations before they're even born. Right, exactly. And I think at the end of the day, you don't know what your reaction is going to be. 
until they say it's a girl or it's a boy, or until the moment of birth, if you choose to wait for that information. By the way, would you choose to wait, or would you find out? I would choose to wait. Same. Yeah. Yeah, why? That, wait, you would choose to wait? Yeah. That is not at all what I... (laughs) Y'all, if y'all know Emily, (laughs) Emily is a planner. Emily likes details. I do. Emily likes to... I like data. She likes data. (laughs) Emily's the kind of person who, if you're like, let's get a drink, she likes to know where we're going to go. She's already looked at the menu. She knows what she wants. I sent you a Google calendar. Yeah, that's the kind of girl Emily is. So that surprises you on gender, then? It surprises me. I'm Uh, hella surprised. I would think that you would want to, if you were having a kid, you would want to know... Okay, it's gonna be a girl. I'm gonna have a birth plan. Yeah, you were gonna. No. <laughs> I, I think that you would have everything planned out. You would know the gender because you're gonna start looking at schools. Like you're already like. I would imagine that you would have everything planned. No. I think a little bit of surprise, good old fashioned surprise, can go a long way because sometimes too much information is real. Yeah. Like, Basically, I don't want any information that um, forces me to stress out unnecessarily. And that's what gender information, I think, would do for me. That's interesting. And this sounds a little bit dumb, maybe, but I know I talked earlier in the show about my aunties who like to rub preg- like our pregnant family members' <laughs> bellies and say, like, oh, it feels like this. It's a boy. It feels like that. I-, I kind of want that. I want I want my... The mysticism. I, I want a little of that. Yeah, I yeah. think a little of that is is good. I'm I'm someone who likes surprises. I like things that are impulsive. I like things to not be super planned. And I like the idea of my great aunt rubbing her hand <laughs> on my tummy and saying she thinks I'm going to have a girl because of some crazy bull that's not really real. <laughs> I want that. <laughs> yeah, there is something old school in a great way about that. Yeah. I think. Yeah, it definitely brings back some, like, is it, like, spiritual predictions? Yeah. Some, like, some of the fun of pregnancy before it got super medical. Although, thank you, medicine, right? Because that stuff keeps us alive, too. But I think that's the thing, and I, I keep underscoring this, is that I don't think that these kinds of celebrations are wrong inherently, because I do think things that remind us that yeah. childbirth is fun or can be cute or can be something that you make a, a, a that's important for your chosen community or your family or whatever. Right. Things that mark that, I think, are good. Right. Which is where I've come a long way on marriage, by the way. Yeah. Because it's a, it's a communal celebration of what is important to you. And for me, I don't think gender should be on that list. I agree. I think we're celebrating what's important to us when we have parties and when we have traditions like this. If you are making gender this salient, this significant, you might actually be setting your kid up for stress and disappointment, and you might be setting yourself up for stress and disappointment. So if you're going to have one of these reveal events, how can folks do that in a way that's not so problematic? Well, I think at the end of the day, one, let's not read so much into sex and what that means about our unborn humans. (laughs) How about that? Let's say it's a girl, it's a boy referring to sex organs. Let's call it what it is. Like, even the I'm here for the sex cake wins out as compared to the pistols or pearls cake in my book. Because at least you're talking about what you're talking about, which is the baby's sex organs. And then maybe let's ease up on the -the over-the-top gender stereotypes that come along with a lot of these parties. So if you're going to have one of them... Maybe we don't say, oh, are you going to be going to football games or dance recitals for life? Because guess what? You don't know. Yeah. Something about that. There's this comedian.
comedian that I'm obsessed with, um, who I follow on Twitter. He has a baby that is the most adorable baby you'll ever see in your life. He is adorable. There's a hashtag woke baby if you ever want to see him on Twitter. Um, but I once tweeted at him, I accidentally misgendered his baby. I said, oh, your baby is so cute. She's adorable. And he tweeted back at me, oh, it's actually a boy, parentheses, as far as I know, and I loved that so much. I thought that was such a cool yes. way of handling it where it's like, yeah, my I, my baby's gender is important to me. So I want to get make sure that you have it correct. But I want to underscore that, like, I don't actually really know the situation yet yeah. because it's a, it's a baby and it will in due time, you know, they will be able to express their own gender identity. Exactly. And that's the other thing I want all of our parents listening and all of our maybe someday parents like ourselves listening to think about, which is your kids' gender is up to them. It's not up to their doctor. It's not up to somebody taking a peek between their legs and deciding which binary category to put them in. Um, and instead of overemphasizing the importance of that determination, maybe we celebrate life and birth and health instead of any one characteristic. And just so you know, if you're listening and you've experienced symptoms of what, what we've called gender disappointment, just know it's okay. It happens. And I think the most important thing is to know that you're not alone. It doesn't make you a bad parent and that you should talk about it. Don't keep it inside. Don't plaster a fake smile on your face. Don't engineer situations where you would have to fake smile through an uncomfortable situation in public to begin with. It's okay. Yes. And you you have to be able to talk through those emotions with someone you trust and get more support if you need it, especially right after birth, when an estimated 50 to 75% of new mothers suffer from what's called the baby blues in the days after childbirth. And then, of course, there are the more intense feelings, not just the baby blues, but things like anger and resentment towards your child, thoughts of hurting yourself or your child, insomnia, fear of losing control or losing your mind, or uncontrollable crying, all of which can be a sign of postpartum depression, a less common but still very serious condition that affects 10 to 20% of women. So if you're feeling that way, you're not alone, but it's important not to suffer silently because if we suffer silently, one, we don't give ourselves the chance to feel better, and two, you don't know who out there is also suffering. And if you make it seem like, oh, mom's got it all under control, everything is fine, everything is good, you're not contributing to a community where it's okay to talk about these things. Yes, so true. And know that it's pretty curable, right? Like with proper treatment and support, this is a very recoverable situation you find yourself in. So don't let the fear of being a bad mom prevent you from getting the help you need. Because you're not a bad mom. No. You're just a human. Yeah. Now listen, I know it sounds like this might be PC culture run amok. And my, you know that's my favorite phrase. Your favorite. <laughs> And that we're not trying to just come down on a social media trend because we're overly politically correct. It's not that these parties tend to be tacky <laughs> or that they can often be a little bit weird as a participant at one of these parties to be celebrating the sex organs of someone's unborn child. It really is about the bigger ramifications. So we're not here to tell you how to have your baby. We're not here to tell you how to celebrate your pregnancy. I just hope that all of us as parents, or maybe someday parents, can be mindful about how gender reveal parties actually say more about us than it says anything about the life of your future child. 
to add on to that, I think we should be mindful of what they say about us and what they're putting on these kids. I think that really it comes down to them and how they're faring. So if you're someone who is into gender reveal parties, just be critical and be willing to self-reflect on what they say about our culture and what that means. And what the significance of your unborn child's gender is to you or what that means to you. Yeah. Well, we'd love to hear from you, listeners. <laughs> I would love, love, love to hear some of those very inventive gender, or I guess we were calling it sex reveal parties now. Yeah. Um, have you dyed your hair? Um, <laughs> did it involve Whoopi Goldberg coming out of a crystal ball? Tell us, <laughs> what did it look like? Yeah. And if you've always had a little bit of discomfort over this concept of gender reveal parties, did today's episode make sense as to why? We'd love to hear what you think. Especially from our mom listeners out there, especially from our parent listeners out there um, who've already navigated this kind of a choice moment in their life. What, uh, what, what did we miss? What would you consider? What do you think is salient about this? We can't wait to hear what you think. So get in the conversation with us on Twitter at MomStuffPodcast. Find us in the comments section of our Instagram at StuffMomNeverToldYou. And as always, we love to get your listener mail at MomStuff at HowStuffWorks.com. Hi, I'm Allie Wentworth. How do I grow a teenager in a pandemic? Well, that's exactly what I want to find out. In my new podcast, Go Ask Allie, I'm asking experts to help me answer that question. For example, are quarantine teenage girls more apt to Instagram nude photos? Are they somehow going to end up on the dark web? Are teenagers getting ripped off by their new virtual education? And how do we deal with their overwhelming anxiety and uncertainty? And are they losing empathy? I'll be talking to experts and friends like my friend Brooke Shields. She'll reveal how her complicated sexual upbringing has influenced how she is as a mother to teenage girls. It's a new world, and how we raise these young humans in it determine our future. So let's share some real experiences with all new episodes releasing every other Thursday. Listen to Go Ask Allie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. Paper Ghosts is a true crime podcast that investigates the search for the person responsible for the abductions of four missing girls in neighboring New England towns. For more than 50 years, each case has remained unsolved. Every day is like being lost in limbo. I pray every day that we find Lisa so we can go on. It wasn't until this past year that things took an unexpected turn, a breakthrough. Answers to decades-old questions and witnesses finally ready to talk. I know that that's the person that was there. I can describe what he's wearing. I can smell him a mile away. Jesus, Mary, and Josephine, I hope that's not a grave for many. Oh, you know what? I think it is. Listen to Paper Ghosts on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.